I want to talk to you today about the light and the word of life. I'm going to begin reading in verse 20. Now among those who went up to worship at the feast were some Greeks. So these came to Philip who was from Bethsaida in Galilee and asked him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip went and told Andrew. Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. And Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it, and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. May God bless the reading, the hearing, the understanding, and the obeying of his word today. I want to start with a question this morning. Have you ever been confronted by something, maybe a situation, maybe something as simple as a sentence someone spoke to you, but you were confronted by it in such a way that it became a life-turning moment for you? Just that quick. The way that it came to you, the situation that it spoke into, whatever the case may be, in that moment, there was a life-changing or life-turning moment that occurred in your life. When we come to this passage, we see that Jesus has one of these moments here, and it is significant, friends, significant. They tell him that there are some Greeks who want to see him. We've not really been introduced to uh, this broad of an ethnicity or a nationality pursuing Jesus. Most of them have been more localized in the region uh, of Jerusalem and Samaria and Galilee. But now we see that people outside of that region are coming to Jesus. And at the Passover, the highest and holiest celebration of the Jewish people, Greeks show up and want to talk to Jesus. Seems simple enough, right? But for some reason, Philip didn't just go straight to Jesus. He went and got Andrew and said, will you come with me? And they go to Jesus. And in that moment, Jesus doesn't give a yes or a no, but it seems so innocent at first. And all of a sudden, when they're told that some Greeks want to see him, this moment goes from a Jesus, you have some guests, to Jesus, it's time for your crucifixion. That quick. Just that quick and you can only imagine Philip and Andrew who told him were like well dude I mean they're just right there they just want to talk to you right but we never hear whether they ever got to speak to Jesus or not all that we know is what Jesus shows us you see nothing tells us why but Jesus knew this to be a significant moment a turning point the remainder of the gospel of John will take place in about six days We're six days out, roughly, from Jesus' crucifixion. And these Greeks show us that the whole world was searching for Jesus. Remember why John wrote this whole gospel account. He wrote his account that we might know how great the love of God for us is and that we might believe in his name, the name of Jesus Christ, and receive eternal life. That's what John is showing us here, that this moment came and it turned Jesus and he shows us that the whole world was searching for Jesus and Jesus shows us that he came to save 
the whole world. What a beautiful moment. Sometimes moments develop over a long period. At other times, they surprise us and they alter the course of our life, leading us into the very purpose for which we were created. John shows a decisive shift in Jesus' earthly ministry in these verses. And the Father's glory to which he pursues not only draws us in, but it invites us to believe and to walk in him as the light and the word of light. And that's what I want to encourage you with today, friends. That Jesus is the light and the word for, of life for all who believe in him. Jesus is the light and the word of life for all who believe in him. I want to walk through this passage, the remainder of chapter 12, and I want us to look at four principles of truth in order to believe and to walk with Jesus as light and the word of life. Here's the first principle of truth I offer you this morning. True glory is only found as one loses their life for God's sake. True glory is only found as one loses their life for God's sake. Let's look at these verses that we've just read. Jesus acknowledges that the hour has come to be glorified, but he also gives us insight to see how this true glory is to come about. You see, the crucifixion was immediately in front of them. We look back on it now, but they were looking forward to it. What Jesus is doing is he's pointing the people toward when and he will be the sacrificial lamb. The celebration of the Passover that they are currently in the midst of will only become a foreshadowing and a director pointing them to what Jesus will do ultimately for them. And so this principle that he gives in verse 24, truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and it dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. And then verses 25 and 26, he explains this principle. It foreshadows his death, but it also foretells, friends, the only way that we can truly find life. Loving life in this world means to lose it. But hating life in this world or not treating this world's life as supreme brings eternal life. I want to share a conversion testimony with you from the late and great Charles Haddon Spurgeon. These are his own words as a teenager he felt great despair and despondency in his life as if the, the wrongs that he had done were overwhelming him and there was no way for him to overcome those wrongs. And, and he found himself in a great darkness of despair and despondency. And so one Sunday morning he awoke and he knew that he needed to go to church because uh, uh, his despondency was so overwhelming. But there was a blizzard on that morning and he was unable to proceed through the city streets and so at the point where he reached the last moment he could uh, continue he diverted into a small building which turned out to be a small chapel where only a few were gathered he was seeking shelter but what he found was a substitute lay preacher reading the text from Isaiah 45 22 that morning and it simply said this look unto me and be ye saved all the ends of the earth for I am God and there is none else. And Spurgeon recollected, he didn't have much to say, so he just kept reading the text. 
But finally he looked up from the text and he said, Look, look, young man. And Spurgeon said in that moment, Then I had this vision. Not a vision with my eyes, but to my heart. I saw what a Savior Christ was. Now, I can never tell you how it was, but I no sooner saw whom I was to believe than I also understood what it was to believe. And I did believe in one moment. And so, the man who would become the prince of preachers was born again to true life with God in Jesus Christ. Friends, this first truth may be hard for us to fully comprehend, but it is not complex. It does not originate in, nor does it align with the world that urges us to get it all now. Jesus tells us that the person who loves their life in this world loses their life ultimately. For loving life simply means to follow one's self will. It means to serve one's self-desires. It means to pursue one's self-glory. And a life of self-glory consumed with all that this world has can be counted. And when it is counted, it is only one. And this passage says, it is alone. The one who loves his life who will not and does not die, remains alone, only to ultimately lose his life. Those who find and fulfill their life in this world, leave it in this world. Those who find true life in Jesus in this world, live for all eternity. The saying has been said in this way, you can count the number of seeds in a tree, but you cannot count the number of trees in a seed. You can live for all you can get in this life, or you can give up your life out of love for Jesus, follow him and serve his purposes, and receive his life. All that this life offers to know, to have, to to experience, or to gain is altogether far less than Jesus. If you want to know true life of joy and of meaning, of, of satisfaction and of purpose that will last and never fade or go away, believe in Jesus, lose your life in him and receive his life in you for Jesus willingly came to this world and laid down his life that we might deny our life in this world to take up his eternal life that does not end losing one's life is glorious because we forsake self-glory to receive the father's honor true glory is only found as one loses their life for God's sake and so John says next that he he shows what kind of death it will be remember they didn't understand that he would die look at verse 27 Jesus immediately says now is my soul troubled and what shall I say father save me from this hour but for this purpose I have come to this hour father glorify your name Then a voice came from heaven, I have glorified it and I will glorify it again. 
The crowd that stood there and heard it said that it had, uh, the crowd that stood there and heard it said that it had thundered. Others said, an angel has spoken to him. Jesus answered, this voice has come for your sake, not mine. Now is the judgment of this world. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to show by what kind of death he was going to die. So the crowd answered him, we have heard from the law that the Christ remains forever. How can you say that the son of man must be lifted up? Who is this son of man? So Jesus said to them, The light is among you for a little while longer. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. The one who walks in the darkness does not know where he is going. While you have the light, believe in the light that you may become sons of light. At that moment, Jesus becomes deeply troubled over what it is that he's facing, his own death. And friends, we should understand this and take comfort in this. Scripture never hides Jesus' struggle when he faces his own suffering nor his own death. And for us, that is a comfort because we don't have to act like suffering, like death, like the things of this life or somehow that are beyond our control or in any way beyond God's control. That's what the scripture is saying to us, that that Jesus was in fact a real person, a real man, and he suffered in this world. And the scriptures wanting to show us that he genuinely suffered and understood that, never try to hide that fact from us. Why? Because suffering and death and the things of this world that challenge us, overwhelm us, and that we have no control over, do not control God. Jesus held a perfect understanding of what it was that awaited him, far more than we even see reading to the end of the story. And yet, and yet, he proceeded. He he felt the suffering in his soul long before he felt it in his body. Yet he never hesitated to follow the Father's will. He poses a question that is so helpful for us, but it also shows us the, the full awareness of his options. To ask God for a way out. Look what he says in verse 27. My soul's troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. Shall I call down a legion of angels to, to save me from this cross? Shall I just step off of it because I am the Lord of all creation and by my authority and power I could do that? Rather, Jesus says no when he makes the list of pros and cons. And here we see the one con. The, the worst part about it all. Instead of walking away for the purpose for which God sent him, he walked into it. For this purpose, it said. For this hour, I have come. It's not an expression of his own desire. It's showing the reality of his suffering. He's choosing to obey God. He's choosing to pursue God's glory with his life. Jesus accepted the Father's purpose for his life in order that the name of the Father might be glorified through his life. And what does God say in the voice? It is glorified and it will be glorified again. A voice comes from heaven. 
That confirms his purpose. The crowd is kind of thrown into an uproar over this, not knowing what happened. I'm compassionate towards them here. I think I would be too. And Jesus confirms that the voice is not for my sake, but for yours, to confirm who I am and what I'm doing and where we're headed, to give understanding to all that is taking place. Again, they didn't understand that he would have to die, even as they question him in that here. But you see, without Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, sin can only be celebrated. Because even in the death of Christ on the cross, it seemed like sin had won. It seemed like sin was more worthy than Christ. Without Jesus' crucifixion on the cross, not only is sin celebrated, but Satan rules. He, he runs free. He roams for all who he can deceive. And though he is a false ruler and he only rules to deceive, it would seem without Jesus' crucifixion that Satan does get the last word. And without Jesus' crucifixion on the cross, people are hopelessly condemned in their sin. There is no other way. Just try harder. But Jesus is crucified, friends. And when he was crucified, he defeated sin. He defeated death. He defeated the grave. He conquered sin, death, Satan, and hell that he might save people. That's why he's coming. This brings us to our second truth today in order to believe and to walk with Jesus. That true glory that lasts is only found in the cross of Jesus Christ. People were looking for the Messiah, but they had no idea how a forever Christ that they had been talked about could be killed. I thought you were forever. How is it that the Son of Man can be killed and still be the forever Christ? You see, friends, when we allow this world to consume our perspective and define our understanding about reality, about what is, without faith, it always causes great confusion in following Jesus. When you try to put Jesus in your box, he never fits. Why? Because you aren't God. That's why. And neither am I and neither are we. The Bible never tells us to figure it all out. The Bible tells us that the righteous shall live by faith. And the people of Scripture who receive a commendation from God are always distinguished by faith. Hebrews 11 is an entire chapter that one after the other after the other is not a complete list, but rather an illustrative list of how it is that faith comes to us and who it is that God gives commendation to. The favor of God falls on those who have faith in Him. Friend, make sure that the glory you live for is a glory that is true and that will last, lest you be deceived with a lesser glory. And friends, Jesus' message here is not only critical, but he charges it. It's urgent. It's urgent. And it is urgent for us today. He says this, walk in the light while you have it, because it is only among you for a little while. You see, what he was saying to them is, I am here now. I will not be here forever. And the way that we understand that in our day and time, looking back on the cross, is that there is no just moment that we decide when we want to manage our relationship with God. 
You see, when true glory appears, you take hold of it, lest it get away from you. That's what Jesus is saying to them. That's what he's saying to us today. That the time to walk in the light is when you have the light. For without the light, you do not and you cannot know where you are going. For the time to believe in Jesus, the time to receive his life is when he reveals himself to save and to make you a child of God. For the moment to believe in Jesus as the light of life is not a self-determined, self-appointed time of convenience. And we are often duped by that in a culture that is so comfortable with what is called Christianity today. Man, I can go to church any week. You're not promised tonight, let alone tomorrow. The moment to believe in Jesus as the light that brings life is not self-determined or self-appointed in our convenience or in our comfort. Rather, it's at the revelation of who Jesus is. When the light of God's glory in Jesus Christ shines upon you and the scriptures say, today is the day of salvation. Today, when the revelation of God's light in the face of Jesus Christ comes, when it is proclaimed, when the invitation is put forth, when the gospel is proclaimed and Jesus is exalted, that is the day of salvation. You will not manage another moment until God reveals himself and invites you in. When Jesus speaks to your heart, that is the time to believe and become a child of God. And I'll say to you today, if Jesus is speaking to your heart, do not walk away. Today may be your last. Don't play with God the way you play with anyone else. Just as Charles Spurgeon described, not a vision with my eyes. I didn't get a little more understanding and achieve intellectual status. I didn't whip up an emotion and feel a little more affectionate warmth. I didn't grit my teeth and put my nose to the grind and move forward by the grit of my will. No, Charles Spurgeon said this, not a vision with my eyes but to my heart. In the moment, that lightning bolt of all lightning pierced through the heavens, came through the clouds, struck his heart, and immediately the eyes of his heart were opened to who Christ was. He says this, I saw what a Savior Christ was. I no sooner saw whom I was to believe than I understood what it was to believe, and I did believe in One moment. Look. Look, young man. Look, young lady. Look, dad. Look, mom. Look upon the Lord Jesus Christ today and be saved. There is no other glory that lasts. For today is the light of Jesus Christ shining on you. Today you can be a child of the devil no longer and become a child of God Will you remain an illegitimate son of Satan destined to be alone and lose your life? Or will you believe and become a child of God? A child of God. Jesus obeyed the Father and he gave his life as the Son of Man that we might believe in him to receive his life 
and become a child of God. What a glorious, marvelous, wonderful miracle of love. Believe in Jesus today, receive his life, and be adopted as God's child. True glory that lasts is only found in the cross of Jesus Christ by which we are snatched out of Satan's illegitimate home and brought to the table of the king as a child of his own. Verse 36. When Jesus had said these things, he departed and he hid himself from them. Though he had done so many signs before them, they still did not believe in him. So that the words spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Lord, who has believed what he heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Therefore they could not believe. For again Isaiah said, He has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts, lest they see with their eyes and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. Isaiah said these things because he saw his glory and spoke of him. Nevertheless, many even of the authorities believed in him, but for fear of the Pharisees they did not confess it so that they would not be put out of the synagogue, for they love the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. Jesus leaves the crowd and he hides so he cannot be found. And the intensity of the moment begins to subside. His absence brings a quietness that provides a moment of sober reflection for the people that are there. And John gives us insight into the conversation that was taking place in their hearts. You see, it was not in the brilliance of revelation that the moment comes, nor was it in the cry of the crowd. Rather, it was in the aftermath when things calmed down. When the heightened fervor had subsided, that we're able to see what has really taken place. And the moment grew very still, silent. But in the heart of every person, the intensity of his words were skyrocketing. This moment has come to fulfill the word and the work of God, John tells us, as prophesied in Isaiah Many in the crowd believe, but hear me, because of the fear of other men, they will not speak up and be identified with Jesus. Listen to me, friends. The glory of man, though lesser and not lasting, was loved enough to keep quiet. And that is not contained only to to their day, but runs rampant in ours as well. John contrasts their silence in personal confession against a true saving believe. And it was all due to a competing glory that each one held. Listen, friends, a believe that is silent and produces no personal public confession, doesn't hold a true personal conversion either. Understand that. There will be plenty who don't believe you. There will be even more who scoff at you. But principle number three that you must understand is this. You must choose which glory you will live for. 
Nothing beyond this moment matters until you settle this moment. For when Jesus is revealed, you must believe or you'll remain silent. Friends, hear me. Whatever you have later today, whatever fills your schedule this week, month, year, or season of life, I say to you, it is of lesser importance. Whatever awaits you, is of lesser and ultimately uselessness to you without first determining this. What have you done with Jesus? Choosing is true for every person in order to be able to walk with Jesus. Uh, Last week, or excuse me, two weeks ago, we handed out a little booklet called How to Know God's Will by Watchman Nee. It's quick, it's brief, it's succinct, but it's helpful. He uses a word on page five in this book that shows us how it is we walk with Jesus. The word is consecration. He's speaking of how it is that we consecrate life in this world, the outer person, to the inner life that Christ has put within us. And that's what I'm aiming at when I say you must choose. You must choose which glory you will live for. You see, you must, in the consecration of life, commit your outer man that you're living in this world to the Lord as your inner man or the Spirit of God that is living within you. And here's what he says on page 7. God's will is revealed only to those who have consecrated their will to him. In other words, when Jesus said, what should I say now? Let this cup pass from me. Find another way. Do something other. But no, for this purpose, for this hour, I have been glorified. Jesus says, absolutely not. He's bringing the reality of the knowledge and the pain of his suffering in life into alignment with the word and the command and the light of God that's living in his heart. That's consecrating our life to God. He does not force us, Watchman Nee says. He is always waiting for us to become willing. It does not matter much if a person knows God's will. It is more important that a person be willing to choose God's will. Choose in your life, friends, aligns the glory of your life. The one you claim with the one in which you choose to live. You must choose which glory you'll give your life for. You must choose which fear that you will hold as first in your heart. A fear of God or a fear of man. You must choose which strength that you will go about your every day with. Will you live in your own strength, your own intellect, your own ability, your own achievement, your own accomplishment? Or will you live by faith and walk in the spirit of God? You must choose the wisdom with which you will live your life. You must choose the wisdom with which you will raise your children. You must choose the wisdom with which you will form your relationships in life and allow them to influence you in the way in which you walk. You must choose the wisdom in which you will immerse your life. You cannot claim one glory for your life and live out another glory with your life. You are the one that is deceived. It is your life that is lost. You will be alone, separated from God eternally if you do this. 
Believe is the internal matter of the heart that produces a whole life confession. Choose directs the outward action that reveals the glory that the heart is adoring. Is anything holding you back today from believing in Jesus? Because whatever holds you back must be broken. It's all a lesser glory than Jesus, and it all leads to a life that is lost. Neither intellect, emotion, or will can break the chains of unbelief silence. Some of you are sitting here today, and you said, I've been going through this routine for years, and if I just try harder this week... I'm going to do it, and I'll show God what I can do for him. I'm telling you, friends, you're as lost as lost can be if you believe that the way to walk with God is by your own strength. You say, well, if I just spend more time with God, my heart will be hotter for God, and that may be true, but hear me, that will not be enough to sustain you in your own effort. I'll just learn a little more. I'm going to get in a Bible study this week and read a devotion this week and know a little bit more about God, and that will keep me walking with God. It absolutely will not. It'll make you think you are, but what you will find out is you are not. Until the glory that you're holding in your heart doesn't only look at the outward action of your life, but looks at that which you adore the most and the deepest with the greatest affection and says, God, this is the purpose for my life. I will walk in your way, whether I understand it, whether I love it, or whether I think I can do it. If this is your way, that is the way in which I will walk. I will trust in you. And you might even say, even if it leads to my death, because that's what Christ said, and it did. And what we know today is that's the only death that will bring us life. Until God's glory is greater to you than any other, the fear of God will remain second in you to some or many other lesser glories. Until you believe And that belief births a whole life confession that Jesus is Lord from you. It will never bring new life in you. You must choose which glory you'll live for. Only God's glory holds new life. Verse 44. And Jesus cried out and said, Whoever believes in me believes not in me but in him who sent me. And whoever sees me sees him who sent me. I have come into the world as light so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. If anyone hears my words and does not keep them, I do not judge him. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. The one who rejects me and does not receive my words has a judge. The word that I have spoken will judge him on the last day. For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me has himself given me a commandment, what to say and what to speak. And I know that his commandment is eternal life. What I say, therefore, I say as the Father has told me. John records these resonating words that Jesus leaves with his disciples and to any others who will hear and heed the call. Believe in Jesus means to believe in God. Jesus alone is the light of life with God. Without Jesus, we remain in darkness towards God. We are hopelessly separated from him. 
Without Jesus, we cannot hear nor heed God's command that brings life to us. Without Jesus, life is hopeless and we are helpless. Jesus came to save. Whatever other ideas you have about Jesus and the way that he is holding you down, condemning you or hates you or some other ideology, I'm telling you straight from his own mouth recorded in the living word, he did not come to condemn or to judge. He says there will be a day that the word of God brings that condemnation into eternity. But until that day, Jesus is here to save. And that's the only reason he shows up, friends. To save us from ourselves, to save us from our sins, and to be glorified in that. Jesus alone is our hope, and he is our help from God. Here's the fourth principle I want to leave you with today. To believe means to walk with Jesus as God's light and by the command of his word. You see, the same light that's shown to give vision to Charles Spurgeon's heart is the same light that's shining today. His name is Jesus. He is light from God, and he gives life with God. Jesus is the brilliance of God's true light. To know Jesus is to know God. They are one. To see Jesus is to see God, and by him and him alone, can anyone ever see God there will be many other lights there will be many other things in this world that offer you a way but none of them come from nor do they illumine God they will only lead you away from God Jesus is the form of the command of God's living word Countless words are uttered today. They tell us information doubles about every 16 months in our day and time. Maybe it's faster than that today with the internet. But only Jesus can give you God. Jesus is the phos and the logos of life. He is the light and the living word. He is the burning light of God's glory. He is the living word of eternal life. Jesus is the light and he is the word of life for all who will believe in him. What more can be said except this? What say you about Jesus? Let's pray.